The summer of speculation is now off and running. What's going on with everything with the Winnipeg Jets? Can the Maple Leafs convince Austin Matthews to sign the sort of contract uh, that every other star player in the NHL has signed, with the exception of him and Mitch Marner? And uh, just so much more as we get ready for the draft. Free agency begins on Monday, uh, uh, excuse me, on July 1st. And join us now, National NHL writer for ESPN. It is Ryan Clark. Ryan, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show today. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's start here. One of my favorite uh, traditions is eight hours after the Stanley Cup is done, sometimes even earlier, we learn about all the injuries that players have gone through. A broken foot in the first round, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the broken sternum, or whatever the hell it is, with Matthew Kachuk. Are you waiting for the day when a player reveals that they played the uh, conference semifinals without a leg? <laughs> it, it's hard to say just because being in Florida's dressing room and then at Paul Maurice's press conference, it was interesting because we had a chance to talk to Aaron Ekblad among other players and they were yeah. asked about the injuries and you could even see Brandon Montour. He had one of his shoulders wrapped up and they were like, look, injuries happen to everyone. It's no excuse. You, you try to learn from this so you can build and grow and go forward. And when you speak to Paul Maurice, He's also the first to say, look, injuries are no excuse, but you do need to be healthy to make it this far. And when he started going through the laundry list of, let's see, he was like, Aaron Ekblad had this, Sam Bennett had this, Matthew Kachuk had this, Radko Gudis had this. Like at that point, you're just kind of sitting there going, well, at this point, who wasn't injured for the Florida Panthers? And so it's just one of those things where every team is dealing with it. Players are the kind that – don't want to talk about these things because it doesn't look like they're making an excuse. But at the same time, you could see the difference with Florida from the first round through the cup final. Whereas if those first three rounds, it seemed like they had the waves to sort of support whatever counter they were facing, whether it be from Boston, Toronto, or Carolina. Whereas if you look at what happens in the cup final, the strength of Vegas was not only depth, but by comparison health. And you saw Florida not really be able to overcome that. And then when you sit there and hear that one person's playing on a broken foot, another person has this, another person has that, your star player's chest is so bad that he has to have people help him get dressed, it explains a lot. That's not taking anything away from Vegas just because Vegas had a lot. But it doesn't help if you're the Florida Panthers to know you had that many injury issues. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. The best way to put it, it's not an excuse. It's an explanation. I think fully healthy. I think Vegas, we saw how good they were. They, I think they still would have won. I'm just waiting for, uh, yeah, our second pair right shot defenseman. He didn't have a head in the third period, but we stitched <laughs> it on, and he was ready to go. He was ready to go for overtime. Is is there lessons that teams, and, and yeah, this is a Toronto Bay station, uh, is there lessons that teams like the Maple Leafs can learn from the cup win by Vegas and the and the run by Florida to get to the finals. But situations can change quickly just because you think about what Vegas has done in six years and their franchise existence. Even just last year, this was a team that missed the playoffs by a handful of points. Granted, they they go out and do a few things, get Kessel move on from Pacioretty, but really everything was kind of sort of there to begin with. It was just a matter of could Jack Eichel get healthy. Um, and then once you saw that, then it was just a matter of, okay, once you lose Mark Stone, how do you replace that? 
And then, of course, how does everything work in net when Robin Leonard was injured? And with Florida, it's an example of a team that was able to make a couple changes because you think about what last year's team was. It was this team that could fly up and down the ice. One of the running jokes was they could be down by three in the third period and they could end up winning by two before it's all said and done. But it was a style that only got them beyond the first round Whereas if the, the, the play they switched to this year was so much more of this physical team that sure maybe didn't score in bunches like it did last year, but it was a team that was built for a long playoff run uh, until it got to the cup final. And so if you're the Leafs or you're any team, those two teams are examples of how quick changes, or not necessarily even quick changes, but how much things can change in an offseason or over the course of a year because again you think about florida knocked out in the second round last year gets to the cup final this year wins a game vegas wasn't even in the conversation last year this year they were so strong and dominant in the fashion where you kind of start wondering like how would a team like vegas have gone up against the team like last year's colorado just for how entertaining that matchup could have been in terms of two really good western conference teams that won a cup so it's an example of how much the landscape can change in such a short amount of time and when I was looking at one of your articles and just uh, between yourself and Kristen Shilton and Greg Wasinski putting together where do teams where do teams go in the offseason, you know, it's mentioned Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander failed to score in the first three games versus Florida as Toronto fell behind 3 nothing. Usually with the Leaf Stars, their uh, production, especially Matthews and Marner, goes down as you go deeper in the series, which is a long way of me saying that these guys are incredibly talented. They will win you your regular season fantasy league. But I'm curious, Ryan, your thoughts from where you sit. Does it make sense to bring everyone back knowing they're all going to need big raises and the cap is not exactly jumping through the roof? It's difficult to say, isn't it, just because if you're the Leafs, you don't want to break up the talent that you have because, again, it's talent that's gotten you the postseason and it's been your core. But on the other hand, when you're struggling in the postseason, which this organization has, there comes a point when you have to start looking at making changes. And when you look at what their cap situation is, it's, it's not great. Achari, Aston Reese, Bunting, Camp, Kerfoot, O'Reilly, these are all examples of UFA forwards, and you've got to be able to find a solution and when you have three players making north of 10.9, that really limits the options. And not only that, but we talk about this cup final. And, of course, the joke for the longest time was you can't win a cup final with someone making north of $10 million on your roster. Well, someone was going to do it because Florida and Vegas had two players who did it. But at the same time, you also need depth and you also need other things to go in your direction. And with the Leafs, it seems like this is the question that they're going to have to answer. Maybe they say, give it one more year before making a decision. But at the same time, you have Austin Matthews, who only has one year left. And for someone like Austin Matthews, he's one of the top ten players in this league. For some people, he's a top five player. And you've got to figure out what you're going to do, because if you don't have a plan for him, someone else will. And also, it's not like guys like that just grow on trees. So you've got to figure out what you're going to do. Is there, uh, like, if you're going to look at the biggest story, well, I was, no, I'm not going to lead the witness and say, is Matthews the biggest off-season, uh, off-season story, what his next contract is? What for you, Ryan? You don't have to go Maple Leafs. You don't have to go Canada. And, of course, Winnipeg, or the, the Jets are curious. But what for you is the most fascinating or important off-season story? Hey, let's pick three. The first one is, because we are doing a radio show in Toronto, what do the Leafs do? 
Because, again, we talked yeah. about the quick changes that Vegas and Florida made to make it happen. It's an example that it can work, but you might have to get creative and you might be forced into making some tough decisions. The second is the Winnipeg Jets, because no one knows what's going to happen in Winnipeg. And, like, that's not being funny. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck, uh, Mark Scheifele are just examples of what you do. Because if you're the Jets, on one hand, you look at them and you say, well, this is a team that gets into the playoffs. But on the other hand, this is a team that's been getting into the playoffs that hasn't really made the headway that people would think. Because there was a point in time, you look at how the Jets were built, it felt like this was a team that played NHL career mode and cheated its way to get every good prospect in the draft and build this super team that you think they would have won by now, but they, they, they haven't. And so you have to start wondering if you're the Jets, really what is the best direction going forward? And then you know what? Another team that is really, really, really fascinating to see what they're going to do in the offseason really and truthfully might be the Colorado Avalanche. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because we talked a lot about Gabriel Landeskog and what's going to go on with LTAR, but there's the contract decisions that have got to be made with players like Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook. JT Comfer is a pending UFA, and JT Comfer just had his best season. Uh, you wonder what's going to happen with the Sam Gerrard contract in terms of is that someone they try to keep, do they try to move him to free up cap space in addition to putting Landis Gug on LTIR? So, look, those are just three of the teams that are interesting. But, look, you we're all interested in what's going to happen in the East with, with the Bruins especially because that's a team yeah. that they've got a lot of decisions to make, not a great prospect base to, to move players with, not a ton of picks either. So you're really waiting to see how do they, A, maintain what they did at winning 65 games with that can beat that would be what they can do to improve a roster. So look, there's a lot of interesting stories that are going around in the league right now. Yeah, it's funny. The most boring story is about the most uh, exciting young player. We all know Connor Bedard's going number one in Chicago. After that, everything seems to be a crapshoot. Uh, by the way, this is just coming down from Darren Drager. Brad Living plus Sheldon Keefe are well into interviewing candidates to replace one of their assistant coaches, Spencer Carberry. Uh, Trey Living plus Keefe spent time getting to know one another as soon as Trey Living was hired. No extension yet, but those discussions are expected to happen this summer. So, you know, the moment the Leafs lost to Florida, we expected there to be a breakup of the core four. We expected Sheldon Keefe to be gone. And all we have right now is Kyle Dubas uh, presiding over a very old Pittsburgh Penguins team. Well, it's funny how it works out. But at the same time, with those sort of executive changes, they're going to want a chance to be able to look at the landscape and survey because it's one thing to see it from afar, but it's another to see it when it's right at your fingertips. So if you're Bradtree Living, sure, you might be aware of the things that are going on, but you also have to understand that Bradtree Living knows what it's like to have experience with a core group, and you sort of wonder, okay, can this work, can it not? Where are the changes that need to be made? Where are the areas where maybe you can sort of nip-tuck here and do things like that? Whereas if you look at Kyle Dubas, again, he knows what it's like to deal with a core. It's just in going from Toronto, you go from a, a young core to a core in, in Pittsburgh where it is an older, more experienced group. But at the same time, like, is that core the reason they're not winning? Look, the, the Penguins were a point out of going to the postseason. But is it that, that core that's the issue? Or is it the fact that this was a team that had a negative two goal differential? This was a team that struggled at times with its defensive structure and its goaltending to really get consistency, only scoring 262 goals. So, again, it's one of those things where, yes, we're all looking at the core in Pittsburgh, but it's a matter of is it the core or is it the pieces around the core? But then what does life look like for that franchise once that core has moved on? 
Whereas if you look at your living situation in Toronto, like it's a little bit of a similar dynamic, except for the differences is Matthews, Marner, Nylander, all 27 and younger. It's just Austin Matthews might be gone. And that's when you really have to start taking a hard look at like, okay, if you're going to sit there and try to keep Matthews and Marner and Nylander together along with John Tavares, like what are the things that make sense? And the reality of it is this, it's all about how you manage money. But as we continue to look at this flat cap situation, it's not going up the way people would like. And also the other thing about the lease, something that all of you know is when you look at this draft, they only have one pick in the first four rounds. You look at 2024, they only have their first and their third, and they don't pick again. And, and, oh, excuse me, they have their first, New York's third and their fourth. But, yeah. again, it's still not a ton of picks. And in 2025, they don't have their first or second or their fourth. And you're looking at a prospect system in which, hey, for all the things we talk about, you need to hit on your prospects right now. And if you're the Leafs, you've got to find a way to get that success. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And hopefully Matthew Nyes can continue to grow. Uh, by the way, hearing that Timo Meyer might be signing an eight-year extension with the Devils. Eight years. Huh, I didn't know that was possible. I got to get out of Toronto more. Hey, um, Ryan, really appreciate uh, Ryan Clark, national NHL reporter for ESPN. Great work. I just, you know, love reading your stuff and just the work you guys do. Between you, Shilton, Wisinski, and so many others, it's uh, always uh, great content. I uh, appreciate taking the time because between now, I mean, it's going to be two weeks where you're going to be busy as hell, I imagine. Whatever do you mean? The league is going to be boring for the next two weeks. There's nothing going on. Hockey's done. Uh, Whatever could you be talking about? (laughs) I wish it was boring. I wish it was boring. I wish all the Leaf players signed team-friendly eight-year extensions, and it could be boring. We're not going to get any of that. But I I appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Ryan Clark from ESPN covering all things NHL.